It's a Friday. And while we are always delighted to bring you another episode of Meet the CEO, today's a bit different. We bring you a special interview with the Vice President of Ghana, Mahamadou Baumia. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. The fourth industrial revolution has put the global community on a path of digitization. Those that fail to digitize will be unable to compete preferably at the global level. In this episode, we talk to Vice President of Ghana, Mahamadou Baumia, on Ghana's journey to transforming its economy through digitization. I think for me, the first course is the objective of uh, the digital transformation uh, that you want to take the Ghana economy through. How does this um, translate over the next three, four years? Well, thank you very much, Ruth. I think that for us in Ghana, the president has set an, a clear objective to modernize and transform this economy uh, and the society. And so the objective that we've set, we've looked for the tools for achieving that objective. And we think that digital transformation is a critical tool for us to achieve that objective because the problems we are trying to solve are problems that we can use digital tools to solve. Our people don't have national ID, so we do biometric national ID for everybody. Address systems don't exist, so we do digital GPS address systems. So that problem that we had since independence today has been solved because every part of Ghana has a digital address. Whether you are living in a shack or in a mansion, (laughs) you have your digital address. And, And we know, therefore, where everybody is. People didn't have... Uh, bank account. We've done mobile money interoperability and made bank accounts interoperable with mobile money accounts. Now, before we had only 30% of people who had bank accounts, but with that interoperability, we are now about 90% because the mobile money account is now like a bank account and, and all of that. To, to, you know, so we are using digitalization to solve practical problems, and especially for people who have been left out, ordinary people who find it difficult when they interact with government. Uh, They have to pay bribes. Now today, because of digitalization, if you can apply for a passport from home, driver's license, you can get your passport delivered to you because they have your digital address and so on. Things We are trying to make things easier for the ordinary people. And this is what digitalization is. We're roping people, formalize the economy, make it much easier for everybody to to participate in the economy. So it's an agenda for inclusion. You know, while we're talking about an inclusive agenda, we cannot talk about about that without talking about uh, ICT infrastructure and also literacy levels. How are you addressing these two challenges to deliver a digitization of the economy? I think these are very, very important. I mean, you've touched on two things, ICT infrastructure, and, 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 and you're talking here, the broadband, for example, um, where we are looking at trying to make sure we have internet access in most parts of Ghana. And that is the issue. Our internet penetration right now is about 50%. We've gone up from 27% to 50%. So we are making a lot of effort and we have got a program to make sure that we increase that internet penetration, especially in the rural areas, so that the infrastructure allows us to do so. 
And how do you address uh, the literacy levels? We have to think about the people in the rural areas who don't know how to uh, talk about digitization or use the tools that come with digitization. How is that also being addressed? I think that um, in terms of um, a lot of people in the rural areas, um, it is true that illiteracy is is high, and but it is not a situation where a lot of people will need some help, no doubt, um, from someone, a relative, or at the uh, you know district office of the district assembly or wherever, maybe to help them to apply for something. Uh, but that challenge is faced now. Because now you are interacting in even more difficult circumstances. They don't even have the courage to come to a government office and so on. But they could sit down at home and renew their national health insurance cards. Uh, this is one example that we had uh, where people used to go and queue at district offices, even sleep, just to renew a national health insurance card. Now we've made it done on the mobile phone. And suddenly, you've seen a 70% increase. And most of that increase is taking place from the rural areas. Sometimes a lot of people believe that um, the rural areas is not savvy with technology. <laughs> but my experience with mobile money, for example, tells me that uh, there are a lot more people in the rural areas who are even more savvy than many educated people when it comes to mobile money transactions. And, and so um, we, we are trying to make things easier. For people, but of course, you will need education in terms of literacy uh, to allow full participation. Okay, uh, I was privileged to attend uh, your lecture at Ashesi, and one of the areas that you said you wanted to transform uh, through digitization is the agriculture sector. But we know for a fact that most the agrarian sector in Africa, Ghana as well, is very subsistence. You have small farmers doing. So how then do you tangibly uh, enroll farmers into uh, the digital program? And that is from the time they plant to the time they get to the market. Absolutely. Ruth, this is a very important question. And it's one that we are focusing on. Because if you look at, we've been talking about the informal sector. Um, the informal sector is largely agrarian and also service oriented those two sectors. By agricultural sector, we are really identifying three segments of it for digitalization. The cocoa sector, the fishing sector, and also the food crop sector. And because it is very important, let's take the cocoa sector where the work is relatively advanced on the digitization. We need you know, market access internationally. And even though we are trying to help the farmers, it's, you know, in, in, in there, there's also the issue of sustainable farming practices and so on. We need to be able to tell that this cocoa that we are exporting came from this particular farm. So you have to be able to label it and track it and trace it because that will guarantee market access for the farmer. So we have a program which is being executed by the Ghana Cocoa Board, for example, with cocoa farmers, where we are essentially registering all the farmers and then all their farms and putting them on the same platform. So they are all uniquely identified. Thankfully, we have a national ID and all of that. And then payments. 
Now, the digital uh, digitalization of that sector, for example, as will, will be done for the other sectors, you know, you know, you, you, you know, in terms of subsidies that we provide the farmers, then it's very easy to target the farmers with the subsidies because you can, you can monitor and see who gets what and ship what to what. So it's a very easy in terms of input. It's also very easy in providing credit and for the farmers also accessing credit, uh, because they are, uh, they, they, whoever is providing credit knows that they are on this program. They, this is where the farm is. You can you take the digital coordinates of the farm and arrive there. You know, you, you, it's not a problem uh, in that in that sense. And and also market access, as I said, the the farmers not only internationally but locally. Uh, you know, a lot of trade can happen uh, on digital platforms, and the farmers will be able to participate. So we're doing that for the cocoa farmers. It's about forty percent complete now. Uh, we expect that uh, next year we'll complete that job. And we're doing the same in for, for, the, for the food crop farmers. That process has also started. And we're going to use that in, for example, the distribution of fertilizer, which has been r- r- riddled with a lot of problems. Um, and so we are moving to uh, digital or e-voucher-based distribution of fertilizers, but we are taking again the same information, the farms, um, the people, and then we, 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 you can get them in a digital platform. The same thing for the fisheries sector that we are going to do. But we think that if we do the agricultural sector in this way, then you would have been formalizing the informal sector at the same time as increasing the opportunities for farmers uh, and fishermen and cocoa farmers in in the country and, and, and it will be very good for, for, for them and it will be very good for the economy. Um, could you extrapolate that to an African picture? If Ghana is able to do this with the agriculture sector, how would this translate into other African economies? Well, I, I believe that, we, I mean, and, and I always say that in Africa, we have a lot to learn from each other. We have a whole lot to learn from each other. And so... I believe that, you know, if Ghana is able to do it and more like when Ghana does this, <laughs> because we are, we are in the process of doing it and I think we are going to do it. I think the other countries, because it will be clear, as I said, it's going to be required, you know, the sustainable farming practices uh, and so on. The markets out there that we are trying to access may have certain requirements and a lot come with traceability of, of produce and so on. And so if you digitalize the processes, you can track and, and therefore your access to, to the markets will be easier, your prices will be higher for the farmers and so on. So I think there will be those learnings from our experiences and I think other countries will do it. I think we should all do it, especially as we move into a common market on, with the AFCFTA and these practices, um, because Africa is likely in terms of output an agricultural um, economy. Okay, let's talk about your work with Zipline in the in the health sector. Uh, we've seen that they've been able to take medicines to far-reaching areas, and I wanted to ask that in regards to COVID vaccination, it's very very important for countries to have their numbers up so that all economies can open. Um, how far have you used uh, the, the work with Zipline to deliver uh, vaccines across the country? And, you know, is this a model that 
could be sold to other African countries? Absolutely. I think that the zip line, which is the use of drones to deliver medicines, vaccines, blood, and so on to remote areas, has been for us a spectacular success. Um, and you, it, especially when you, it came to COVID, for example, um, you, you, we saw, um, and at the time we started with Zipline, we didn't, of course, anticipate that COVID would come. Um, we had gone to Silicon Valley and met Zipline and said, wow, you, you, you've got a major product, come to Ghana and, and let's do it. And of course, we also went to Rwanda to see how Rwanda had done uh, because they were also in Rwanda and we became the second country in Africa. But once we had COVID, the importance of uh, the zip line facilities that we have around the country was just so clear because they were delivering vaccines across different um, remote areas, uh, which is very, very important. Now we had, what well, interestingly, the facilities, the cold storage facilities of Zipline uh, were sufficient to, in terms of the temperature levels, to store the Pfizer vaccine, for example, because it required uh, much lower temperatures to store. Uh, at the time we got Zipline, we didn't really see that, I mean, that possibility. We didn't see that necessity, but that made Ghana one of the five countries in Africa that can receive the Pfizer vaccine. Now, so we were able to get um, 1.2 million doses of Pfizer from the United States uh, and, and, and those who be kept in the zipline uh, uh, distribution centers. And it's been very, very, uh, very good. Zipline in terms of routine vaccines has distributed about 3 million vaccines in, in routine, routine vaccines, uh, about 130,000 doses of, of COVID vaccines. And also it brought, because the test, the, the testing of, of, for COVID, the zip line also was very key in bringing samples for testing at, at our various laboratories around the country. It was very, very important. And, and I, I was happy with the output of zip line. So I think that interestingly, other African countries are, are coming in. Uh, I know Nigeria wants to uh, go with Zipline. I know Cote d'Ivoire is also looking at it. Uh, and it, because it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense, uh, especially for the people who are in deprived and rural areas. I, I know uh, of a hospital in a very rural area where the doctor needed blood at almost 3 a.m. in the morning. And Zipline, if without that, the woman who needed the blood would have died and the doctor so we have major issues like that, whether it's vaccines, blood, where Zipline can, can go in. And, and in Ghana, for example, Zipline is going to start this month dropping medicines in homes. Yeah, we, this would be the first in the world. But, you know, you have patients who are bedridden, who cannot, who cannot move out and they don't have any help, but they need to take their medications. Patients may be cut off by floods, you know, and they need medicines. And supplying the drones will be able to drop medicines. So they are, they are going to outdoor this particular service. But by the end of next year, Ghana, the whole, whole of Ghana will practically be covered by zipline. All the hospitals 
kind of access to it. We, we think that uh, it is, for us, a very good model and other African countries, I think, will, will follow suit. We're already seeing Nigeria, if they really get on board, will become the biggest. For now, Ghana is the largest medical drone de- delivery service in the world. But if Nigeria comes on board, they will be the largest <laughs> if they really come on board. But it, will, it helps the people. That fundamentally, for me, it's for the poor, deprived, rural areas uh, that you are sending these medicines. Someone has a snake bite. You need the snake serum immediately uh, to send an ambulance. They will die before it gets there. But a zipline drone can drop that serum in, in 20 minutes and you may save a life. So, so we, we are saving so many lives. And I think it's a good, good thing for, for, for Africa. Uh, to lean more on your economist side, one of Africa's biggest challenges this year has been the mounting debt. The debt challenge has been really, really growing. And you are leading the digitization drive. How do we use digitization in debt monitoring and management, not just in Ghana, but in Africa? Well, I think that there are two aspects of it that I see in terms of the debt side. One is the monitoring of the debt and you need, I mean, but what we have in Ghana are are really real-time platforms to monitor the debt on a real-time basis, a digital platform from the central bank and from the Ministry of Finance so that at any point in time, they know what the outstanding debt stock is. So monitoring is not really a problem. Maybe other African countries, if they don't have those types of digital platforms, can really be, it can be helpful so that it, you can have real-time monitoring of the debt. The other side of, for, for me, in terms of debt management, um, ultimately, where I think digitalization can help is in the area of domestic revenue mobilization. As you know, debt only becomes a problem when you have difficulty in servicing it. It's not essentially the debt to GDP ratio. Africa has seen the debt to GDP ratios on average move from around 60% to 72, 73% as a result of COVID, right? Japan has a debt to GDP ratio of over 200, 200%, right? But they are able to fund it sustainably. So for the problems that we have in Africa is largely an issue of the ability to service debts, which is a function of your revenues. And the whole problem of domestic revenue mobilization. When I, when we came into office, only 4% of the Ghanaian adult population had tax identification numbers. 4%. Through digitalization, we said, okay, let's issue the national ID cards to everybody. The, uh, everybody has a card, the national ID card, a unique identity. Now, let's make that the tax identification number. So we did exactly that. And the, num- the proportion of people with tax identification numbers suddenly went up from 4% to 86%, just like that. We're moving also to, because we now have a complete database of every property in Ghana, including all the huts in the villages and so on, because of the digital addressing pro- program we've put in place, where you have a house number, street name, and digital address, that again gives us a, bit, a, a basis for property taxation. Before, we didn't have data. 
We couldn't do property taxes. Now we're doing, going to do property taxes on a digital platform, right? So if you are able to use the digital platform to expand your revenue base, then your debt becomes more sustainable. And I think that uh, Ghana is, this is how we're doing. And I think it is something that other African countries uh, can also look at uh, to see how digitalization can expand the revenue base and make uh, it more uh, sustainable. Okay, uh, I think my last question would be around the ECD. Um, we saw Nigeria launch theirs last month and there's been a lot of skepticism and, and very many questions on usability, transferability, uh, and all those uh, questions that come along with e-currencies. How is Ghana handling this before the rollout of theirs? Uh, because many people are saying it seems like a currency for the elite more than the currency for the everyday man. Uh, so how do you handle all those things? Well, I think that you, you, you have to look at the global space uh, in terms of the issuance of central bank-backed uh, digital currencies or these e-currencies. Um, as you have 87 countries in the world who are considering a digital currency, including the EU, including the US, and many, many countries, 87. 17 countries are piloting it. Uh, and you have a few countries that have actually issued the digital currency like the Bahamas or China, right? So it is something that everybody is learning from. There, there may be stumbles here and there, uh, but at least some people have done it. <laughs> and they've done it successfully. Uh, some people are considering it and considering it seriously. So we are part of that ecosystem of, of central banks and countries who are considering a D, an e-currency. For us, I, I believe actually that for us, the e-currencies will be much easier to implement than in the developed economy. Why do I say so? Because the e-currency is just a digital wallet. And a lot of our people today in Ghana, we have 30 million people with mobile money accounts, <laughs> 30 million mobile money accounts in a population of 30 million people, right? So the mobile money account is just a digital wallet in that sense. So that transition to an e-currency, which is also a digital wallet, is not going to be very, very steep in that sense. And you, you have everybody, every digital wallet has to be on a mobile phone, whether it's a feature phone or a smartphone. Now, the important thing is that every phone has to be identified. In Ghana, for example, everybody has to register their SIM card with their national ID card by the end of March next year. So you, you know that's what we are saying. You know who is uh, transacting with what, and there's so much transparency. So I think some of the building blocks uh, that we need for a successful implementation of an e-currency are being put in place. And so the central bank has been looking at this issue for the last two years, and it's very much looking at the learnings from other central banks in other countries so that we can 
do the best we can for the people of God. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at with the Dome.